Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. This is a new way to say amen in church, okay? If there's something I like that you hear, make sure you give me a little towel wave this morning. But in all sincerity, happy Father's Day to all of our dads here today. Let's give them a big hand. Of course, these are for all of our guys. I want you to grab one of these after church, if you would, if you haven't got one. Great for your car, great for pickleball, great for whatever it is that you do. It's got the Warehouse Church logo on there. And do something for me. If you like these, next week, when Marianne comes home from her sabbatical, I mean vacation, uh, make sure you tell her, Marianne, that was a great idea. Thank you for getting cows for all the guys in the church. Please, please remember to do that. And she will really, really appreciate you saying that to her, okay? <coughs> well, we're in First John. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I have something I want to tell you too. First John chapter 2. If you don't own a Bible, we just have bought a big bunch of Bibles uh, at discount from a discount Christian bookstore. And we have leather-bound, leather-covered Bibles in our bookstore, not our bookstore, but kind of our swag center uh, out here to the left, uh, Warehouse Care Center. If you don't have a Bible, they're only $15. If you don't have a Bible and don't have $15, Jack said he'll buy you one, and I'll, and I'll be number two, okay? So the first person that needs a Bible, you go see Jack. He'll give you 15 bucks. I'll be the second person, but don't leave church without a Bible today if you don't own one. It is, it is a critical, critical part of your personal daily walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen to that. <laughs> so I love, I love camp week. My wife and I kind of had a little scheduling snafu. Uh, camp week is a week earlier this year than it was last year. So this is the first year uh, in my uh, ministry career since 1991 that I'm not going to be at youth camp this week. And it's kind of ripping me apart uh, we scheduled vacation for this week, thinking next week was camp, and it's not happening that way. Uh, and, and fortunately for us, we're going to the 5% of Yellowstone Park that's open this week. So we'll get about a day there, and we'll spread it over six days, but it's going to be a good time, and we're, we're really looking forward to getting away and, and being together. But I love camp. I had a privilege this week. One of my guys that went to camp, served an internship with us. Uh, serving the Lord in a great church up in uh, the Springfield, Missouri area. He was driving through the area, called me up. Uh, we had lunch together this week. His name is Craig and just a dear, dear friend of ours. And, and I took Craig to camp back when he was in elementary school, junior high school and high school. And Craig's now 43. So I felt really, really old knowing that uh, part of our relationship started at camp. Uh, some of you know that Johnny grew up in the same church where I served as youth pastor and Johnny was, uh, the, we started taking Johnny to camp and kids camp. Back then, now there's a, the shorts for guys has changed over the years. I don't know if you've noticed that. Back when I was in high school, we were wearing, you know, the OP sugar shorts that were really short. And then they went all the way down to your knees. Remember those shorts? And then the shorts that went down to your knees got down a little lower because, you, you know, you, you kind of warm a little bit and you know, a little bit of that going on in the back. Well, that was Johnny when he was in elementary school. He was wearing shorts that probably could have fit me when he was in elementary school. 
real big jersey, like a double X jersey, Mr. Uh, Mr. Cool. But I knew Johnny back when he was a kid, grew up in our church, accepted Christ as Savior, and now he's one of my three, one of my three favorite son-in-laws, and we'll, we'll go over that other part later. But camp is a big, big thing. And I, I, I got to tell you, church, we're so blessed uh, by the sacrificial giving that you have done to, because we don't say no to anybody who goes to camp. They want to go to camp, we say yes, and we figure it out later. But we're hoping that you will this week. You'll see on our Warehouse Church Facebook page, and if you are not on that now, please go on there and like it today. We'll have the first name of all of our students that are going to camp and a picture of our group tomorrow uh, once, they, once they head out to go to camp next week. And they're going to learn things about character. They're going to learn things about integrity. They're going to learn, uh, they're going to have a great time with relationships. But the most important thing that will happen this week Many of our young people are going to be introduced to a Savior whose name is Jesus Christ. And we're going to challenge them to know him as personal Savior. We're going to challenge them uh, to live a life that honors the Lord Jesus Christ throughout high school, which is not a popular thing today. And we're also going to challenge them to consider serving the Lord with their lives in full-time ministry. So we appreciate your investment financially. Now this week we want to ask you to invest in your prayers. Okay, so let's be praying for our students this week uh, as they embark on a very uh, significant week. And we appreciate Johnny, all of our youth workers, and the great job that they're doing. Let's give them a big hand this morning. <clears throat> wow, he needs, he, he needs more money. That's why he's doing that. So anyway, <laughs> appreciate that, bro. Anyway, so hey, First John chapter 2, that song uh, was, was actually the most popular song requested for our series this summer. Uh, the first person that, that sent it to me was Aaron uh, Williams, and then Jack sent it, and then a couple other people sent it, and then Ben sent it to me and said, please don't tell my wife that I'm suggesting this song, so it was one of those kind of things. But uh, summer loving, right? Summer's a significant time. I actually went on my first date with my sweet wife, Kim, on July the 10th of 1983, and we started dating, uh, I found out that she broke up with somebody the day before, so I called her the next day, swept her off her feet, right? And we've been together ever since. But summer's a significant time. And, and when you think about um, all that we're gonna be doing this summer, I hope you get to take some vacation time with your family. I hope uh, that, that your, your kids have a great summer as well. And all those things take place. Um, as we go through this series out of 1 John, I hope you'll plan on being in church and if you go away and you're away on a Sunday, it's all good. I'm not going to Jesus juke you this morning. But what I will ask you to do is either watch online and stay connected or go to a good church in the area where you're traveling uh, so that you can stay connected to the Word of God and, and God's people. So we're doing this study on 1 John, uh, understanding some things that the author was telling us. The very first week, uh, we talked about how Jesus was in the beginning with God, was, was, was part of the triunity or the trinity of God. Uh, last week, we last time I talked, we talked about the fellowship with him and the fellowship we have with one another and the privilege we have of asking God for forgiveness of sins and us being forgiven every single time that we ask. Well, today I'm gonna talk about, uh, the Apostle John kind of gets into this, kind of goes into a different area here when he starts talking about the way that we feel about one another. And I, I called my message today, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. Some of you know what that means. Uh, and we're going to talk about today embracing an Old Testament and a New Testament commandment 
and how they're relative to one another and how they're super, super relevant for us today. So let me read for you 1 John chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, they'll be on the screen. If you do have a Bible, bring it with you to church. Even if you have it on your uh, U version on your Bible, please, uh, you can follow along with us there. <coughs> and, if you, and if there's a verse significant to you, like it, share it, and remember to read it or even memorize it later this week. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 7. Brothers, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but I'm sharing an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I'm writing to you, which, which sounds like he's kind of going back and forth a little bit here, but hang in with me. Again, a new commandment I'm writing to you, which thing is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light but hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So we, we're, th this, this passage of scripture here is really significant because it, it talks about how we as believers are supposed to treat and feel about people that we would call a brother or sister. Now, all throughout 1 John, uh, there's a message that I'm gonna do towards the end of this series. It's called Tattoos of a Believer. If you have tattoos, you're gonna enjoy that uh, message that day. If you don't have tattoos, I'm sure everybody will go out and get one that day, right? <laughs> Just kidding. But um, first, the, the book of 1 John gives very significant pillars of truth that are evidences of our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. These things I'm writing unto you, right? He says, if you, are a, if you know Christ as your Savior, basically, then you are not allowed to hate your brothers and sisters, is, is, is really the summation of what this passage is telling us. But, he, but the way that he's sharing this is he kind of goes back a little bit, quotes the Old Testament, quotes the New Testament, and he says, and it sounded like he was kind of circling in his words a little bit, I'm writing you something that you've heard before, even though it's not new, I'm writing you something that you haven't heard before. So they're going, dude, what are you trying to say here? You're kind of going around and around and around and around here. So let me, let me talk to you about embracing this old and new commandment. Here's the first thing I want to share with you this morning. God commanded us in the Old Testament that we're supposed to love one another, right? He told us in the book of Deuteronomy, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor is yourself, okay? And, and here in Leviticus, uh, verse nine, uh, chapter 19, verse 17, 18, he says this, do not nurse, now I think, think about this statement, do not nurse hatred in your heart. You know what that means? It means don't feed it, don't empathize with it, don't let it grow inside of you. Do not nurse hatred in your heart for any of your relatives. Confront people directly, which means don't gossip, so you will not be held guilty for their sin. Don't seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So God's telling us to love our neighbors as ourselves, but he also, he says, not only don't, are we supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, he's talking here in the book of Leviticus and in 1 John about people that are of the household of faith. Now, when you read through 1 John, you don't really get a whole vibe that there's a whole lot of hatred in the church, right? Maybe if you go to 1 Corinthians, where there's like, they're, they're duking it out, or the book of Galatians, where they're kind of, you could see that there's some fighting in the church there. But here he talks about the way that we're supposed to treat brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, why is it, now later on it's going to talk about 
loving everybody. Now, it's going to even talk about loving enemies, which we'll talk about in a few weeks. But here, when it talks about we're not supposed to hate people that are of the household of faith, we're not supposed to harbor hatred in our heart for our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the question. Why does that happen? Now, I don't know if anybody that's in church this morning, the end of June, is going to come up to me after church and say, hey, man, thanks a lot. I really hate my father-in-law. Or I, and I hope that doesn't happen. But I really hate my mother-in-law. I really hate my... I don't really see that... that and and if, if that's something you want to talk about, I'd be glad to talk about that with you. So you look at this and say, man, that's really harsh. Why do people harbor or fester hate with one another? But it really does happen in our family, doesn't it? I mean, it just doesn't happen in our church family sometimes. We disagree with somebody that's doing something a way that we wouldn't want to do it. We went to a life group, got our feelings hurt maybe, or you came to church, and when Johnny or Nick was preaching, you heard something you didn't like, not when I was preaching, of course. But, you know, those things like that happen, and what winds up happening is we could get a little bit of annoyed with somebody, right? Have you, have you been annoyed with somebody this week? Raise your hand up in the air. Have you ever annoyed with somebody sitting? No, don't, don't raise your hand, right? <clears throat> We, we, it's easy to get annoyed. I can tell you this at camp. Tomorrow's, you know, Johnny was sharing you know, the plea. We're going to love on our kids this week. It's going to be really, really great. Can I make you a promise this week? Johnny, Christina, and all of our youth counselors are going to be very ready for you to take your kids back on Friday. Because they're going to have a very empathetic feeling to what you go through all week long. And they're going to be like, whatever you do, don't pick up your kids late on Friday or they're going to be here by themselves kind of a thing, right? But... Sometimes when you spend a lot of time with people and you kind of, you get their idiosyncrasies and they start to annoy you and jealousy jumps in sometimes or just feelings that we shouldn't have and, and that's what the Bible talks about there. Don't nurse hatred in your heart. Don't feed it. Don't empathize with that feeling that you have. Make that feeling, just tell that feeling, I'm not gonna do that because here's the thing about feelings Feelings are something that do betray us, not just because Darth Vader said it to Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh, Luke Skywalker, but our feelings really do betray us because there are things that we want to do sometimes. Our feelings tell us, I want to do that. I'm drawn to do that. So that's something I have a desire to do. That doesn't mean it's the right thing to do, and we can't base truth and how we treat people on our feelings, Right? Husbands, you know this, we'll be, you know, we'll be super kind, it's Father's Day, if you have kids especially, but there are times that you disagree with your wives. If you, if you know that that's true, just don't say it really loud, but you can do this with me this morning, okay? Of course it's true. Uh, Kim and I don't always agree on things, you know, and there's, there's just, you know, we're different people, we have different backgrounds. I'm a guy, she's a woman, right? There's all kinds of differences that are between us, and even though we've been married for quite a, quite a long time, there's just some things we don't agree on. We don't, we don't share the same opinion. And what happens is sometimes when our flesh, right, says, oh, she's this, or Satan speaks into my, speaks lies into my life to get me to divide and hurt my relationship with her. And sometimes I nurse those feelings a little bit. And we all do that, don't we? And we don't do it intentionally because Satan's really cunning and he's really smart and he really knows how to get us. He's walking around this world like a roaring lion seeking who may be devour. But he's not doing it in a way where he's dropping big atom bombs on your life. I think Satan is the master of distraction more than he is the master of destruction. And I know this for sure. Once we get distracted and we, and we kind of let our minds, right, we let our minds wander into places they shouldn't go, then we find ourselves being resentful and can even treat some people with hate. 
And the Bible not only taught us this in the Old Testament, not to hate one another, but Jesus is also teaching us here through the, through the Apostle John in the New Testament. He says this pretty clear in verse number nine. He who says he is in the light, right? He, now that's, if you profess Jesus Christ as your personal savior is what he's saying here. He who says he is in the light but hates his brother is in the darkness. That's pretty clear, isn't it? I think, and, and there's a lot of things with darkness, and we'll hit that in just a second. So the first thing is God commanded us in the Old Testament to love one another. Here's the second thing. Jesus commanded us in the New Testament to love one another. John chapter 13, same author, different book. Uh, ver, um, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus talking. He says, love each other. And then he gives an example just the way that I loved you. And you're like, oh, how am I ever gonna reach that level of love, right, that Jesus has? He said, you should love each other. Your love for one another, this is huge, church, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, let's think about what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is telling us that the living proof of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ is shown by or demonstrated by the love that we show to one another. Uh, throughout 1 John, at specific points, right? He's gonna, like I told you earlier, give specific things about the assurance that we have, things that are true about you if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says here, if you, if you love me and you're one of my children, this commandment, you're supposed to love one another. That should be an expression of our love to him. Now, uh, as a parent, as a grandparent, um, we've had people that have blessed our kids through the years, relationally, uh, just bless them in different ways. And it's the neatest thing in the world when, when you see God not only working in your kids' lives, but when you see other people be kind to your kids. You know what that's like. And, and there's, there, there's, there's something really sweet and special about when you see somebody else that's blessing your kids, it affects the way that you feel about that person, doesn't it? Uh, I've said this before. Uh, boy, if you're kind to me and love me, I'll be your buddy. If you're kind... And to, to my kids and love them, I'll, I'll, I'll go to war with you, you know, because uh, as a father, if you love my kids, you won my heart. Even if you don't like me, you know, if you win my kids' hearts over, you've got my heart as well. And parents, you understand that. When people demonstrate love to your kids, there's something in there like a special teacher or an amazing coach or a youth leader or, or someone that has demonstrated love towards your child. There's something special about that relationship. It draws you to them, right? Jesus is saying here, if you want to prove that you're saved, you're going to love people the way that I did. That's an evidence that shows the world that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And here's what he's saying, and basically what he's saying here is the same thing that James says in the book of James. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. And here's what hearers only do. We come to church, we listen, and we agree. And if you agree with what I'm saying this morning, I, I'm, I'm honored by that, I appreciate that, but just please know that it's the word of God, not Ed Trinkle's opinions, I promise you that. But as we listen and we dive into the word of God and we understand it better, and we start to see what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us, he says, if this is true, then this is gonna be the circumstance of that. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you are gonna love one another. That's gonna be evidence of your love to me. If you love me, 
you'll love my kids. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, you'll ask God to give you a heart to love people that might be hard to love sometimes. How many of you this morning have people in your life, we call them HTLs, that are hard to love? Raise your hand up in the air. It's hard to love. And it might be somebody that's really like on the inner sanctum of your life, right? That you're, that, that's like, and it, it's like you're confronted by it every single day. You're there, you're with them, you see them. I love them because I have to. I love them, God love their heart. I love them even though it's not easy. I love them, sometimes I don't love them, right? We have that little dilemma inside of us. But the truth of the matter is Jesus says, don't just love them because you're supposed to love them. You love them out of a demonstration of your love to me. See, the Lord Jesus Christ told us, when you have him as personal savior, all, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things are passed away, right? And all things are become new. And all things are becoming new means this. Because of our love for Jesus, we need to learn. It's not something that happens overnight. Boy, it'd be super great the day you accepted Christ as Savior, that your addictions were gone, that your tendencies were gone, that your sin drive was gone, that your health was healed, that your money uh, was, you had a full account full of money, right? If, if, if that happened, you, you, you couldn't buy enough chairs to fill up church buildings on Sunday mornings, right? But here's the truth, church. A natural circumstance of that relationship with Jesus Christ causes us to say, wow, I can't believe how much Jesus loved me. And there's a humility that comes with that because if we think we, and this is where we have, this is where some of that hatred stuff comes in. When we look at other people and compare, well, they have it better, or they're better, or they're more gifted, or they have this, or they have, we still do, doing that. You know what we're doing when we compare with one another? Not only are we creating opportunities to be jealous and for hatred to stir up, here's what we're telling God. You're not doing it the way that you should be doing it. I should be having it a little better than I do. God, you got this all wrong. And, and what that does is gives us feelings towards people that aren't healthy and even feelings towards God that isn't, that isn't healthy as well. So <clears throat> Jesus tells us, he gives us this commandment. We're supposed to love one another. But that's not a new commandment. It was shared in the Old Testament. And when Jesus came in the Gospels, he shared the same thing. Now listen to what else he says here in 1 John 2, verse 9 and 10. Number three is this. Love and hate cannot exist in the same place. Now, listen to what he says here in the word of God. He who loves his brother abides in the light. And there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Uh, love and hate can't be in the same place together. Uh, you can't say, I love God, I love Jesus, I love church, I love the things of the Lord, I love worship music, I love seeing people saved, I love sending teenagers to camp, I love support missionaries all over the world, I love this about God's work, I love that about God's work, oh, I just love how Jesus loves me so much, and have this big emotional experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, which it is an emotional experience if it's real in your life, and then turn around and say, man, I hate you, or even worse, feel it in your heart without saying anything, Right? And you say, wow, that's kind of harsh, isn't it? Jesus wants you to know something in, through these words uh, uh, in his book that he has for us today that's been written by him, inspired by him, preserved by him, and it's very relevant for us today. If you have Christ as Savior, we're supposed to be in the light. When you have hatred in your heart, 
you're dwelling in darkness. So let's talk about that for a second. Uh, number four, when you live with hate, you live in darkness. Again, the first part of verse 11, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. A few years ago, I took a group of inner city kids to camp. And it's fun when you take, the inner, when you take inner city kids, oh, you guys will know about this. To, we took them to Lancaster County. Where all the, do you ever see pictures of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, with all the Amish buggies and Mennonite families? It's a very, very uh, moral place to be. But it's kind of funny because like one hour out of Philadelphia where people are honking at you and screaming every bad cuss word in the book at you, an hour away, you're watching all these Amish buggies go up the street. And it's kind of a cool thing. So uh, we, took these, we took some students that lived in the city, uh, city of Chester, which is a very, very, uh, very poor area, a um, lot, of, lot of sin, a lot of immorality, a lot of drugs. We took them out, and we took them to this camp that was in Lancaster County. We took them bowling one night, first time they ever went bowling. Half of them didn't wear the shoes because they thought it was gross. It was funny. They were bowling in their socks. And it was such a neat thing. Every ball that was bowled down, you know, can you imagine going bowling with somebody with about 30 teenagers that have never been bowling before. They thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So we took our two vans afterwards, and at the time, there was a movie out, that, uh, a scary movie called Children of the Corn. Anybody ever hear the movie called Children of the Corn? Super-duper scary movie, uh, the corn stalks and all that stuff. So we're driving down the road to get to this camp, and one of my young men, whose name was Derek, his twin brother, whose name was Damon, and we were, we were driving down. The, man, we got to get out of here, man. These corn stalks are freaking me out. Somebody's going to come out of here right now. So as a youth pastor with not a whole lot of discernment in my heart, okay, I took my church van, and my youth worker did the same thing. We veered off the road, and we drove our vans right into the middle of the corn stalks, right? We turned off the vehicle. We left it in drive. So that if you tried to start it again, oh no, the car's not starting, what are we gonna do? So we're out in the middle of these corn stalks, these kids are going crazy, it was a really, really cloudy night outside, so not only was it dark because it was nighttime, it was dark because there was no light, and I was like, oh my gosh, something's coming. Well, I got down, ducked down, and got under the van, and I heard all these kids screaming and yelling, it was awesome, right? We scared them to death. But one of the things that was scary, and you know this is scary in your own life too, if you've ever experienced this, being in total darkness is really scary, right? Uh, being in total darkness when you're my age is really scary because you wind up stubbing your toes on things, right? Or walking into stuff or breaking stuff or whatever, right? But when you're in total darkness, there's, you, you lack the sense of direction. You, you don't really know where you're going but you want to get somewhere to flip on a light switch. Or you want to get somewhere to open a door where there's light. And these kids were going crazy. And then we took our flashlights out, put them under our chin, and we're like, ah! scared them to death that way. Got in the van, turned it back on. As soon as we got in the van, they were like, I'm telling my mom you did this to us. I said, okay, let's talk about that later, right? But when they got back in the light, they weren't afraid anymore. And the thing about being in darkness, right, when, when the Bible says here, when you live with hate, you live in darkness, you are lacking and losing a sense of spiritual direction in your life. Because what winds up happening is, right, and, and John is so great about this, and we're going to read about this at the end of the chapter in 1 John chapter 5. If you have a relationship, I want you to hear what I'm saying here, church. If you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, if he's forgiven you of your, of your sins, You've asked him to come in your life and be your personal savior. 
You are absolutely, unequivocally saved for all of eternity because of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. You can't lose something you didn't earn. You can't lose something. Satan can't steal you or rob you from that. Once you're a child of God, you are one of his children forever. But here's the thing about being one of God's children. The first thing he wants us to do, once we've accepted him as our personal savior, is obey him. In a couple weeks on a Sunday, on July 10th, we're going to we're going to pull our baptistry pool out, and we're going to baptize some people. If you've never been biblically baptized, which means you've been dunked in the water, brought back up, if that's never happened in your life since you've accepted Christ as Savior, please see myself, one of our staff, shoot us an email. We would love for you to be part of that special day on July the 10th in just a couple weeks, right? Well, God tells us once we accept Christ as Savior, we're supposed to get baptized. Now, baptism, there's no like magical pixie dust that goes over you when you get baptized, or there's no big feeling. You might get a good feeling because you're doing something good, but here's what baptism is. Nothing more, nothing less, it's obedience. God commanded us, once we've accepted Christ as our personal savior, to be baptized, to identify with him, and to identify with the local church, right? When we obey God, very simply put, what happens to us? He blesses us. What's the opposite of that? When we disobey God, what we're doing is we're creating a blockage where God withholds his blessings from us. You say, why would he do that? Because he wants to bless you and get it right. Like God, he wants to get your attention so that you'll ask for forgiveness, so that you'll be back in the light again, so that he can, the Bible says, pour blessings out on your life of which you can't even imagine or comprehend, it says in Ephesians chapter three in verse number 20. So when he tells us here, when you live in hate, you live in darkness, when you live in darkness, you don't know where you're going, you're wandering. We're not walking in the light as he is in the light. I talked to you earlier about the significance of the word of God. God's word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Helps us with every step and helps us with our long-term vision with our life. When we turn off that light, what happens? We start doing things on our own, and when we do things on our own, apart from the word of God, apart from his will, apart from what he's called us to do, we wander. Man, I've talked to so many people through the years that are just wandering. They got off kilter because of a relationship. They got off track because of frustration. They let Satan get, just stir up yucky stuff in their life, and hatred sets in. And then they wander. And then you read in the Old Testament the story about the children of Israel that wandered for 40 years. If, if you're not walking with the Lord the way that you're supposed to, you can identify with that story because you're, you're just kind of wandering. God wants you to get back in the light. God wants you to ask for forgiveness of that hatred that may be in your heart towards someone because he wants to bless you. When you live with hate, you live in darkness. Here's number five. When you live in the light, this is the opposite now, right? If we live in darkness, we're wandering. When you live in the light, you're gonna help other people see the light. Verse number eight, again, a new commandment I'm writing unto you. He says, okay, an old commandment, a new commandment, an old commandment, a new commandment, even though I've already said it to you before. A new commandment I'm writing to you, which thing is true and in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, the true light is already shining. So when you live in the light, guess what happens? You illuminate the truth of the word of God. When you love people the way that you're supposed to, remember back at the beginning? When you love people the way that you're supposed to, God's light shines through you, and that's an evidence of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, why is that person so nice? Man, why are they just always kind? Do you know someone this morning that you would say God's love 
is just spilling out of them because they're just so awesome all the time. Does anybody know anybody like that this morning? I hope you know people like that in our church where, where they're always kind to you and, they're, and, they're, and they're, they're showing love and they're demonstrating love like our kids workers and our youth workers and, and different people that lead life groups. Man, I'm telling you when you, are, 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 when you are showing God's light and loving people the way that you're supposed to, you're a reflector of God's love in you. So so what is the importance of us demonstrating love this morning? Well, the, the most important thing is to understand this, that God gave us this perfect example himself when he said this in Romans chapter five and verse number eight, that God demonstrated his love for us, even though we were sinners, even though we were living in darkness, even though we were separated from him as far as we possibly could be, the Bible says that Jesus Christ died for us. He did that for you and he did that for me because he wants to have a relationship with us. So when we understand that the importance of demonstrating love is, first God gave us his example. Next, we're following Jesus' example to love one another. He showed us how to do it. He told us to live like him. Therefore, we should do this. In John 13, again, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, love one another, just as I've loved you, right? And because of that, you should love one another. Here's, here's next. Uh, we should, the importance of demonstrating of love is when we're not demonstrating God's love we're hindering the cause of Christ when we live with hatred. We're a roadblock. Can you imagine someone not knowing Christ as Savior that's in your life because you're the roadblock because of the hatred that you demonstrate towards them? That's hard to think about. That I would be the person that would hinder somebody to come to know Christ as Savior. But by the way that we treat them, by the way that we treat one another, it's going to be demonstrated in our life or not. We are hindering the cause of Christ when we live with hatred. Here's the next point. Disagreeing with people, listen church, this is so relevant to our culture today. Disagreeing with people does not mean we have to hate them. But what's happening in our world today is, especially with the perception of Christians, and here's the thing, a big perception of the way that people think Christians are is, is, is really Christianity's fault. That sounds a little mean to say that, but it really is because sometimes we can be very judgmental in our tone and we can look at what other people are doing and go, oh, and we gasp, oh my gosh, can you believe that that's happening in their life and they're living this lifestyle? And, and, and what we're doing is we're trying to make ourselves sound better by talking down about what they're choosing to do or the way that they're choosing to live. But here's the truth, church. We're, we're, it's okay not to agree with somebody and when you disagree with somebody about a standard they have in your life or a standard you have in your life, that doesn't give you the right to, neither should it be demonstrated that there's hatred in your heart towards them. But our world tells us that. Our world tells us that, that well, if you disagree with me, you hate me. If you disagree with the standard that I have in my life that you don't have in your life, that must mean that you hate me. And, and I'm gonna tell you something. This is not political this morning, but I'm gonna say this. It happens on the right side of the aisle and it happens on the left side of the aisle. Super duper mega conservative people can be just as ugly as people that are super duper liberal people, self-labeled, whatever you are, you are, I love you no matter what. But we can, we can be very, very ugly in the way that we talk to and about one another. And what does that do? It hinders the cause of Christ. And we're called to be light. We're called to be light. When people see us, they ought not to see a party affiliation I agree with myself. I agree with myself on that one. 
When people see you and I, they ought not to see a party affiliation. They ought to see that there's something a little bit different about them. I wonder what it is. Hey, why are you so kind to people? <laughs> I'm a knucklehead. It's Jesus. And, and, and when you comprehend and really grasp all that you've been forgiven for, it's much, much easier to be a grace distributor when you understand the amount of grace that you've received. God's been so good. God's been so good. I've been forgiven, set free. I've been forgiven again. I've been forgiven again. I've been forgiven again. Well, you need to forgive your brother. God, I got that because you've forgiven me so many times, I can't even imagine why I would not be forgiving towards other people too, right? So when, when we disagree with people, it doesn't mean we have to hate them. And here's the other thing too. When we disagree with people, we don't need to tell them we disagree, right? I, I love all these passive-aggressive things that people put on social media. Well, if you're this, if you're this, if you're, if, if you're you know, I'm like, come on, man. Don't, don't, be, don't be doing that nasty stuff that's, that's, gonna, that's gonna gig somebody somewhere. Make sure that the things that you, share values, share kindness, share how much you love your sports teams, Share pictures of your wife and your kids and your grandkids and, and positive things. Do you know somebody that's on any of your social media feeds? As soon as you see their name, you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Guess who said what about this again? And you all know somebody that does that, you know? But here's the thing. You're, you're, you're sharing, and, and a lot of people get these, these, these social media muscles, right? I'm, that's my platform. I can share the way that I feel. Can I tell you something, church? I love you but it doesn't matter how you feel. It matters how God feels about people and the way that people feel about God. <laughs> Disagreeing with people doesn't justify hatred. Here's the fourth thing. This is personal. Who in my life do I need to start loving better than I do? Um, I can't answer that question for you. But I know if you pray this prayer that's in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart and try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. David said this in Psalm 51. God, cleanse me from my secret faults, the things that I forget. If you ask God to remind you, Lord, uh, please, if there's somebody in my life I need to make something right with, would you reveal that to me this week and give me the opportunity? And here's the thing. God always answers your prayer. Sometimes it's not always when we want it. Right? Dear God, please bless this lottery ticket. I'll give in Jesus' name, amen, right? And we want that instant gratification prayer. Sometimes we pray, God, help me to be more like you. That's a lifelong prayer. That's a lifelong journey prayer. God, help me to be more patient. I'll help you get more patient. I'm gonna allow these things to happen to you so you can trust in me better and you can be more patient. But here's the thing. If you ask God, God, can you reveal somebody in my life that I need to make something right with this week so that I can be a light distributor, so that I can bring glory to you, so that I can show to you and prove to you how much I love you because of how much you love me? God's going to say, okay, what about your mom? Well, no, 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 no. I mean like somebody, that's different, Lord. That's different. You know, that's, that's my mom. You know, she drives me crazy. Or that's my dad. He drives, that's my uncle or my aunt or my this or my this or my this. And, and God's going to bring that to you so that for the purpose of Listen, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that to make you feel bad. Christianity, a relationship with Jesus Christ, is not about this like big guilt trip for the next 30, 40 years of your life. When God reveals that to you, he's saying this to you, just make it right. I want to bless you. 
I've got all this, I've got like Santa Claus bag full of blessings that I want to pour out on your life, but you're getting in the way of that. Get it right, because I want to do some really, really cool stuff in your life so that I can be glorified so that other people will come and know you as Savior. So who in my life? I wonder if you had the guts to pray that prayer this morning. God, who in my life do I need to love and ask you to forgive me for harboring hatred towards? Can I challenge you to do that this morning with me, church? Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you for our air conditioning. I thank you for our beautiful building. I thank you for God's people that are so faithful in their giving, where we could send 40 students to camp, where we could support missionaries uh, like we had in our service last week all over the world, where we could see the gospel of Jesus Christ, where we would be faithful with that torch that's been passed to us, Lord, to continue the work of the gospel. Lord, sometimes it's a lot easier, and I'm saying this in a personal way, Lord, too. I'm not accusing anybody of this. Sometimes it's a lot easier to stroke a check to pay for teenagers to go to camp or to send missionaries all over the world than it is to go up to somebody and ask for forgiveness. That's hard. Um, Because then we're confronted by our own mortality and we're confronted by our own shortcomings. But the truth is, Lord, you're glorified through that. And we want to be that light to people. We want to be different. And Lord, what this world is offering today is nothing but a heaping full of hatred, animosity, discontent, hurtfulness. Lord, it's everywhere all around us. And here we are as your children called to be bearers of light, bearers of truth, but also, Lord, uh, people that are going to draw other people to Christ. I pray that our words would reflect that. I pray that our social media feed would reflect that. I pray the way that we treat our neighbors would reflect that. I pray the way that we treat brothers and sisters in Christ that are part of this church would reflect that. Our own family members, Lord, would reflect that. And it may require some extra grace, some extra patience, but we know this, Lord, when when we ask you for that help, you're going to help us do that. So I pray, Lord, anybody in this room that has anybody in their life that they need to have a holy confrontation with for the sake of a confrontation's not had for the sake of making our point it's for the sake of restoration of that relationship for the glory of our heavenly father and we pray that you'll put people on our heart this week lord that we can have sweet restoration with this week thank you for your word Lord, 2,000 years ago you wrote this stuff and it's as relevant today as the day that you wrote it. Bless us as we continue the study out of 1 John so that we can be more like you. Help us to demonstrate love to somebody in our life this week. Hey, let me pray with you, church, with your heads bowed and eyes closed. How many of you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Uh, The Lord's speaking to my heart about some of these things you're talking about today and pray that I'll be obedient to what the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this week. If that's true about you, just throw your hand up in here real quick, all over the room. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. We love you, Lord. We pray that you will do what only you can do and reveal and give us the strength and then bless us when we obey you. We ask you this in Jesus' name and all God's people said together.